Heavenly Father, you hold it all together. Even when we're falling apart, you won't let us go. Your love won't let us go. We claim those promises. We especially claim them on behalf of the Perez family who's mourning today. You hold us together. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we continue the sermon series on the Gospel of John. And we've called it the untold story. Because we look at the stories that John tells us that the other Gospels don't. In fact, 90% of what we find... Man, they're killing me with this. Y'all know I don't like this. 90% of what we find in the Gospel of John isn't found in any of the other Gospels, including the story that we're going to look at today. The story of a man who was afflicted for 38 years. Afflicted so much those that he couldn't even walk. For 38 years, he was unable to work. For 38 years, he was unable to function. But who was then healed. It, we included in that story, the, the story we're going to look at today, we find it in the fifth chapter of John, who, Alex, you're probably going to have to run slides for me because I don't have enough hands for a microphone and an iPad and a clicker. It starts in John chapter 5. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to live, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow? who told you to pick it up and walk. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. 
for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Just get rid of the clicker. Let's begin with the condition of this man. He had been a paraplegic for 38 years. Now think about that. Being a paraplegic in those days is 100 times harder than it is today. And I'm not saying it's easy today, but it was that much harder in that time. Society didn't care for you. There's no health insurance. There were no wheelchairs. So unless someone carried you, you had to crawl using your hands, pulling yourself along the ground. Personal hygiene was almost non-existent. Most paraplegics don't even have control of their bowels. You couldn't help but soil yourself. And you'd be hard-pressed to do anything about it. This individual would smell horribly. This man had been that way for 38 years. And somehow he crawled to those waters that promised healing day in and day out, hoping, hoping to get into the water. See, there's a legend that these waters, that an angel would come down and stir the water. And if you were the first one to get in, you would be healed. Now, there's no truth to that. There's no healing found in that water. But he was still there every day hoping for healing. He was so isolated. He was an outcast. He didn't have anyone who could help him down into the water. And without friends, without family, and without support, he'd been that way day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, for 38 years which makes what Jesus said to him seem almost a little out of touch, or maybe even if it's possible to think this way, maybe even a stupid question. Have you ever asked a stupid question? Have you ever been asked a stupid question? What Jesus asked this man almost seems like it is a stupid question. It says in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I imagine if I had been that man, what would have been going through my head? Are you serious? No, I like it like this. I like the way that I smell. I like crawling around on the streets. I like being taunted and ridiculed by everyone. I like having to beg for a living. Are you serious? Do I want to get well? How would you have responded? But actually, it's a fair question. For many people, what has crippled them becomes their way of life. 
so much so that they don't want to change. Some people don't want to get off the streets. I remember in my days as a defense attorney, I used to talk with clients who had been in prison for so long that they didn't know what life was like outside and they didn't really want to get out of jail. It's the only life they knew. Some people who are in difficult situations or have a physical challenge or face an ongoing disease like what comes their way, the gifts, the pity, the sympathy. It's why there are stories of people claiming they have cancer when they don't or lie about a missing child. They like the attention. They like the sympathy. But would it be the question Jesus would ask us? Would it be a fair question if Jesus asked us that question? Is there something in your life that has you lying by a pool, obviously broken, hurting, in need of God's healing touch, but it's not clear that we want to get up and walk around? Are you comfortable in your brokenness. And if we're honest, there are areas right now that need God's healing touch in our lives, but we don't want it. We're comfortable. Would you admit that in your life? Would Jesus say to you, do you want to give up that porn? Do you want to stop gossiping? Do you want to end the addiction? Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to save your marriage? Do you want to be reconciled with that person? Do you want to be more generous? Do you want to get well? In our minds, we say, of course I do. But here we've been laying by that pool, day in and day out, year after year. We never make it down into the waters. So what does Jesus do? He heals him on the spot. No questions asked. We see in verse 8 it says, Then Jesus said to him, Get up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. That's an interesting miracle for Jesus. And, and here's why. There are two general kinds of miracles that I find in the Bible. The first is what I'll call faith resulting. In other words, people are healed because of their faith. And that's what is most common. When Jesus would heal people, he would often say that it was their faith that healed them. Their faith that made them well. The miracle, the healing, is a result of their faith. But this one is different. There is nothing about this man that indicated that he believed in Jesus or had any faith at all. In fact, he didn't even know Jesus' name. Didn't even know who he was. He didn't even ask to be healed. Jesus just did it. So I'd call this one a faith-creating miracle, meaning that it seemed to be an act of God, not as a result of faith, but in hopes 
of causing faith, of creating faith within this man. Did it work? We'll skip over the uptight religious leaders. We have those even in that day. We still have them today. We'll skip over those who were more concerned about Jesus performing this miracle on the Sabbath than about the man who had been healed for 38 years. I'm going to skip over that part, and I'm going to look instead at the next interaction Jesus has with this man. Find it in verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Now, that's significant to think about. First, Jesus finds the man at the temple, which is a good sign. He had enough sense to go to the temple to pray or to give thanks or maybe to show himself to the religious leaders to have his healing confirmed, which would have been the custom in that day. So at least some small spark of spirituality has been ignited in his life. And Jesus runs into him and says, see, you're well again which also makes me realize when he says, you're well again. This man hadn't always been a paraplegic. He had been that way for 38 years, but when he says, you're well again, that means that this man had life before being a paraplegic. He says, you're healed. God did something wonderful in your life. It really did happen. But then notice what Jesus said. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. It's an interesting line. Pretty straightforward. Uncomfortable, but straightforward. Jesus tells him that even though he healed him, he needs to stop sinning or something worse would happen suggesting that this man who had been a paraplegic was due to some ongoing pattern of sin in his life, a pattern of sin that he was apparently still engaged in. And if he didn't stop, a life even worse than that he had been experiencing for 38 years could come crashing down on him. Let's Talk about that for a minute. See, the Bible is clear that when we're sick, when bad things happen to us, it is not automatically because of something we did. Even though that was commonly believed in Jesus' day, it's not a cause and effect relationship. Sometimes bad things just happen. Now, having said that, it doesn't mean that some illnesses, some ailments, some bad things aren't related to our sin, to our behaviors, to our choices, because sometimes they are related. If you get lung cancer from smoking cigarettes, it's because you smoked. If your wife leaves you because you had an affair, it's because of that adultery that you committed. Now, we don't like to think about that. Because we're much more comfortable thinking about ourselves as the victim. 
when we make a bad choice of our own free will, we look for someone else or something else to blame, as if we're simply victims of circumstance. Now, not only do we often blame others, we'll blame God, too. Such as when boxer Ray Boom Boom Mancini killed another boxer in a match. And then in a press conference afterwards, he said, sometimes I wonder why God does the things he does. What, a, what role exactly did God play in a boxer pummeling his opponent to death? God lets us choose, and we do. And our choices have brought continual pain and heartache and destruction. So Jesus tells this man that he is not a victim. He had been reaping what he had sown. And Jesus warns him to stop living his life of sin or something worse would happen. That's not the first time that Jesus gave that advice. The, the point is clear. You can receive liberation from something, healing from something, even an act of God, a miracle for something. But if you then don't turn to God, you're just an empty house, cleaned up but without God in your life. You can come to God and find a lot of practical help in, for your life financial help, help with your marriage, parenting skills, ways to better relate to people and work through conflict, all good things, but it's not a relationship with God. It's a better life, but it's not a spiritual life. It's gaining tips and techniques, but not power and presence. It's a new coat of paint, but inside, nobody's home. So we have two questions that we're left with for all of us. The first, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And the second, are you going to own your sins and your need for God? Or do you want to continue doing life in the same old way the way that got us sick to begin with. And while the answers ought to be obvious, they aren't. So let me ask the questions again. And these, these aren't my questions. These are Jesus's questions. Not just for a man who laid by a pool for 38 years, but for you and for me. And whatever pool we've been laying beside. Do you want to get well? And are you going to stop sinning? Heavenly Father, thank you for the message that you give us. Thank you for the patience you have with us, even when we spend day after day, week after week, year after year, laying by that same pool. You still love us. You're still willing to give us healing. If we live our lives in remembrance of you, 
And if we don't forget your promise and your grace, you will save us. In Jesus' name, amen.